Welcome to the Connecting Place podcast. Here is Pastor Joe Caminetti. I want to welcome you to Believer's Church. We're really, really excited that you're here today. And this is Bulletproof, the series Armed for the Crosshairs of Life. And my goal in this series is to help each and every one of us put on and learn how to use in a, in a greater way God's seven pieces of bulletproof armor. And once we have these on, we can withstand the storms of life. We can come out on the other side alive. And we can withstand and overcome the attacks of our enemy. And we have an incredible piece of armor to look at today. Now, I remember when I was a young Christian, uh, this is probably back in 1980, just newly became a Christian. And guys, this is before MP3s. This is when FM and AM radios in our cars rained, and this is before satellite radio. And I used to listen to a lot of Christian radio, and specifically AM because that was the teaching radio. And on my daily drives, I'd always have it on. And one day I was driving, and I had to go to work early, so I'm hearing a different preacher that I had not heard before. And he's a good preacher, and he's just going away at this sermon and he ends up in Matthew chapter 7 and he's preaching about the place in the Bible where Jesus is talking to people and he said there will be those that do miracles in my name and there will be those that do good works in my name but on the judgment day and he reads verse 23 of Matthew 7 on the judgment day I will look at them and say, depart from me, you who practice sin. And he reads this, and I feel like his fingers are coming out of the radio pointing at me, and I, I feel the heat in the car went up, and it's really a hell, fire, and brimstone message, and I have no Bible base at all. And he launched off of that section of Scripture, and he began to say that if you have sin in your life, even as a Christian, you can't go to heaven. And he began to talk about that and about how on Judgment Day, Jesus is going to say, depart from me. Now, I'm a young Christian. I'm so excited that I met Jesus. And all of a sudden, I felt all this yuck come on me. And I was speeding at the time. And one of the first things I did was slow down because I thought, I don't want to get in an accident and die and be thrown into hell. Because all I could think about at that moment was the sin that I was struggling with in my life because all of us struggle with different types of sin. All of us realize we're not perfect. When you hear a message like that, it brings such condemnation, such a feeling of unworthiness to each and every one of us. And then as a result of that, it sent me into a spin because I began to think the same way I did before I was a Christian, which was... If I'm going to go to hell anyway, I might as well have fun on the way. And it just began to really mess my life up because before I was a Christian, I just figured I'm going to hell. I might as well go having a party. And, and, and I began to feel those same thoughts. And what I didn't realize at the time was that he was wrong. And what I didn't realize at the time that, that this was a universal argument within the church, that there were people in the church that didn't understand it. And all of us know this saying, what came first, the chicken or the egg? We grew up hearing that. And as Christians who believe the Bible is God speaking to us, we know the answer. The chicken came first, equipped to lay eggs. We know that. But there's a similar question that floats in Christianity. It's very similar to that. And it goes like this, 
Do we become holy when we stop sinning? Or do we stop sinning when we realize we're holy? This is a huge question. And this preacher that I was listening to, he felt you became holy when you stopped sinning. So he's saying, you're not worthy of God if you have sin in your life. And I didn't understand that that wasn't true. I didn't understand we stopped sinning when we realized we are holy. And we're going to talk about a piece of armor that helps us realize this today. And I have, I have this little phrase I want you to remember for the rest of you, your life. Uh, it's really cool, and it goes like this. What you did, not what you do, is why God accepts you. And this is profound. What you did is referring to a moment in your life as a human being when you accepted Christ. What you did, not what you do. That's after you accept Christ. Or for some of you that haven't met Jesus yet, that's you thinking, I can do enough to be worthy of God. But here's, here's what you want to remember. I want you to walk out of here understanding this. What you did, not what you do, is why God accepts you. And there are so many of us in this room that have heard that. We know that. But my goal is to reinforce it in you. But there are others. We know why we're going to heaven, but we don't realize that God accepts us now, not based on what we do, but based on what we did. And there's a piece of armor that's designed to help us understand this. It's an incredible piece of armor. So let's go ahead and read uh, uh, about this piece of armor. It's Ephesians 6, verse 13, verse 14, and it goes like this. Therefore put on the full armor of God, that so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, that's the first piece of armor we talked about, and with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And that's what we want to talk about today, this breastplate. I like to call it our bulletproof vest. It's made of a substance called righteousness. And we know how to put it on. That's the first piece of armor, our buckle. We, we showed you how to put these things on. I gave you two scriptures in lesson two when we talked about the, the, the belt. And I said, if you, if you memorize these, you will have a big piece of your breastplate on because they were righteousness scriptures. And we'll, we'll remind you of that as we progress today. Now, this breastplate that Paul's talking about, he compared it to the breastplate that a Roman soldier wore. And remember, Paul grew up a Roman citizen. So he was a citizen of Rome, and he was Jewish, and he became a Jewish leader, a rabbi, and, and then he met Jesus. And now as a Christian, he's preaching Christ, and he was actually thrown into prison because of preaching Christ. So now he's in a Roman prison, and he sees these Roman soldiers every day, and God opened up his eyes. I love when God opens up our eyes to see something we had not seen before in the Scriptures. God opens up his eyes, and he sees that in the same way these soldiers have armor to protect them in battle, God gave us some armor to protect us in battle. And he sees one of the pieces as a bulletproof vest, we would say today, or as this breastplate. So I want to do some comparison between our spiritual breastplate and the Roman soldier's breastplate. So take a look. This is what it looked like. It's really a cool-looking piece of armor, and uh, the breastplate was made of the highest quality metal or brass. It was high quality because they needed it to be strong, and they needed it to really, really work. Now, we see what it looks like. 
they say that it was 40 pounds. That's pretty heavy. And it started at the bottom of their, their neck. It went all the way down to their waist, and it circled their entire body. Let's talk a little bit about its purpose. And I think this is interesting. They tell us that it was the most beautiful and glamorous piece of armor. And they say when the sun shined on it, it, just, it was remarkable. When you saw those soldiers marching with the sun shining off of it. And, and I think this is important because righteousness, in my opinion, without a doubt, is the most beautiful doctrine in the Bible. It's the most beautiful principle in the Bible. And, and it's because it protects something that is vital for us to have protected. Now, the breastplate protected the soldier's vital organ when in hand-to-hand -hand combat. There were times when the sword was no longer used, whether they lost it or they put it in a sheath, no longer were they using the shield, they were face-to-face -face with their enemy. And when they were face-to-face -face with their enemy, they took out their dagger, their enemy took out their dagger, and they're trying to pierce each other through with a death blow to one of the vital organs. So this piece of armor was strong enough to where when the enemy had his dagger and he tried to hit them and he tried to go through and hit their heart, the armor would stop the enemy's dagger from piercing through. So it protected their vital organs. Now, you and I have one vital spiritual organ, and it's your spiritual heart. And this breastplate called righteousness, if we put it on, it will protect the vital organ that is so important for you and I to protect it is important. And I want to show you what the enemy does as far as what he tries to pierce you through with. And all of us know our enemy. We know who he is. You know, his God-given name was Lucifer. And Lucifer is a beautiful name. And then we know he rebelled. And we know that he was thrown out of heaven. And, and then he goes by all kinds of names. You know, he goes by Satan. He's called the serpent. He's called the dragon. Well, one of his names explains the very tool that he wants to pierce us through with, and that's the name devil. And I want you to just see what this word means. It's diabolos in the Greek, and it means this. Vine's Greek Dictionary says it's, it means an accuser, a slanderer from the base word diabolo, and that word means to accuse or to malign. Now, Greek scholars tell us this. This word paints a picture of piercing through with slanderous accusations. Now, we know our enemy is called the accuser of the Christians, the brethren. We know he tries to accuse us before God, and we know that God protects us. But something else that he does is he wants to accuse us with slanderous accusations. And the way he does that, if you're new here, the devil has the ability to insert thoughts into our mind. That's why we need to learn our Bible. We need to figure out, is it my thought, God's thought, or is this the enemy? And the enemy's thoughts are pretty easy to figure out because they're negative, they're degrading, and they're slanderous. And he loves to say things to you that will pierce through. And we'll show you what they'll do if you accept them. But it kind of goes like this. I wrote some of them down. Some of the devil's slanderous accusations. You aren't worthy to call on God or to have a relationship with him because. So every one of them begin with this statement. Because you blew it again. And I'll tell you what, you blew it, you blow it, you do something wrong, he's going to put some thoughts in your mind. There you go, doing it again. You're not worthy of God. God doesn't love you. Or it might be because he says, you are not good enough. Well, in and of ourselves, none of us are good enough. 
And you and I have to settle that, but we have to understand where our goodness comes from. And he might say this, you didn't do enough. And for some of you that have a problem with, with, with uh, acceptance and you have a problem with what we might call a works mentality, you'll never feel like you did enough. And he will play off that and he'll keep putting thoughts in your mind. You know, I, I did this, I helped this person, I did this over here. And he'll come and say, you didn't do enough. Why? A slanderous accusation. He's trying to pierce you through to your heart. Or he might say this, you will never change. And man, he's put those thoughts in my mind, you'll never change. You're going to be stuck this way for the rest of your life. Maybe there's something you're battling with. And he just wants, he wants to pierce you through with that slanderous accusation. Or he might say this, you will always fail. Man, after you make a mistake and you blow it and you fall and you do something you shouldn't do, He's going to be right there putting those thoughts. It's a dagger, slanderous accusations. You're always going to fail. Or he might say this, you don't pray enough. I've learned this as a Christian. No matter how long you pray, the enemy will slander you with thoughts and say you didn't do enough. He'll keep doing that. Or he might say you didn't read your Bible enough. And no matter how much you read your Bible, he's going to be there. Now, I realize God's going to grow all of us, and I realize there's times when God's dealing with us to take our prayer life up. God's dealing with us to pray, you know, to read our Bibles a little more. I understand that, but it's never condemning. It's always encouraging. But the enemy comes with these slanderous accusations. And here's what he wants to do. There's one scripture that explains it all. Listen to this scripture. 1 John chapter 3, verse 21, it goes like this. Dear friends... If our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. That's your spiritual heart. And notice what he's talking about, being condemned versus having confidence. And, and what he does with the slanderous accusations, he wants to bring you to a place of condemnation, which just simply means you don't feel worthy enough to be a child of God. So you don't feel worthy enough to pray. You don't feel worthy enough to have a relationship with God. You don't feel worthy enough to pick your sword up and swing it. And what happens when you receive slanderous accusations, you bleed out on the inside. It's just like a Roman soldier. If a dagger went into his heart uh, or near his heart, it hit, it hit a vital uh, vein or something like that, he'd begin to bleed out. He would become weaker and eventually he'd die. He can't fight any longer. And what the enemy wants us to do is spiritually bleed out on the inside and have no confidence before God. And without confidence before God, we can't withstand the storms of life. We cannot overcome the attacks of the enemy. And he is an expert at slanderous accusations. And my goal today is to help you walk out of here understanding what you did, not what you do, is why God accepts you. And acceptance by God is what righteousness is all about. So let's take a look at the definition of the word righteousness. And it goes like this. Uh, the Greek word is dikaiosune, and it means this. The character or quality of being right or just, that's the raw meaning of the word. But here's what Greek scholars say. This word paints a picture of us being in right standing with God. It means you are holy, worthy, and without fault before God or you meet up to all the requirements of God. Now, just keep that up there, guys, for a while. This is incredible. What does it mean to be in right standing with God? It means that God looks at you, and he sees you as holy, blameless, and worthy. He looks at you, and he looks, and he says, you meet up to all my standards. God has some really high standards. And what you and I have to understand 
is how this righteousness comes. And you know how it comes. It's what you did, not what you do, that makes you righteous. And when we understand that, we walk through life knowing God's smiling on us. I realize if I do something wrong, I have to make it right with God. But there are Christians that aren't doing anything wrong, but the, the, the enemy has pierced them through with slanderous accusations, and they're not sure where they stand with God, and they're not sure if God likes them, loves them. And what I want you to walk out of here never forgetting what you did, not what you do. It's why God accepts you. So I want to spend a little time just showing you this incredible thing called righteousness and how it comes. In lesson two, I gave you two scriptures to begin to meditate on, and I told you these scriptures will build your, your breastplate. They're righteousness scriptures. So you guys already have those. We'll give you some more today. But listen to this scripture. Paul's speaking in Romans 10.1. It says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. Let's translate it. Israelites are the Jews that had not accepted Christ. Remember, Paul was one of them. Being saved means they accept Christ as their Savior. They become Christians. Verse 2. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. And that's just simply Bible knowledge of Christ. Since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. And submitting to God's righteousness is you and I just coming to a place where we realize, I can't do this on my own. I can't work for it. I need to accept Christ. And I, well, the reason I read this is for the, this phrase. Verse 2, For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Every religion is the same way. In every religion, you'll see zealousness for God. And I remember I went to India many years ago, and I preached a, a big crusade, and then I taught a pastor's conference, then I taught in some churches. I was there two weeks, and I was doing this pastor's conference in the city of Madurai, which uh, literally is the city of temples, and they have all these Hindu temple, temples. And so the host pastor, he wanted to take me and show me the most beautiful temple. It was way bigger than this room, and we're on the outside of it, and I don't know if it was gold or bronze, I don't remember, but it was gorgeous, ornate. And they had these huge elephants, big old elephants, full grown. And there was a Hindu priest sitting on the elephant. And I saw the strangest thing. I'm, I'm watching, and the elephant would take his trunk and he'd put it in front of somebody's face. And they would take money out and he would grab it with the front of his trunk like this. And he'd go like this and hand it to the, the Hindu priest. And the priest would take it and put it away the upkeep of the temple, and I thought, wow, I need one of those at my church. And because uh, when the elephant came up to me, I was like, I'm not Hindu, but here's a 50, baby, because, I mean, what are you going to do? He can crush you, you know, and then he takes it and he, he puts it up there. So that was interesting. And I go inside and I see all these different stations, and, and um, you know, they're not in straight lines or in any order, but they all had different symbols. And I came upon one, and it was this huge dish huge, filled with a powder. And then in the center, it had this really, really ornate elephant. It was a big elephant. And again, I don't know if gold or, or bronze, but it was really beautiful. And there were these men circled around it. And the, this particular statue, they had their shirts off. And, and they were pleading. And I could tell, I don't understand Hindi, but I could tell they were pleading with God. And then they'd take the powder and they'd rub it on their heads and they'd rub it on their bodies and they're pleading. And it's like they're crying out. And I asked the host Christian 
uh, pastor, I said, what's going on? He said, they're, they're crying out to God for mercy and salvation. They're just crying out for God to save them and for mercy. And I'm like, whoa. And uh, I said, what's that powder? And I'm not saying this to make fun of any religion. All religions have things uh, that if you're not familiar with the religion are a little different. He said, that's dried cow dung. And of course, the cow is very holy to them. So they're, they're wiping that on as a, a, a way of uh, righteousness and holiness. And the thought that comes to mind, the reason I share it is, they are zealous for God. I mean, they want to know God and they want God. And I want you to just think about it. It's true in every religion. Think about uh, the Muslims in Islam. Think about the guys that strap bombs around their body. They walk into a bus or they walk into a business and they blow themselves up. And why do they do it? They're misinterpreting scriptures in their Bible. But why do they do it? Out of zealousness for God. Think about Paul. Paul was having prison, uh, when his name was Saul, he was having Christians thrown into prison because they were Christians. He was having some of them put to death. Why? A zealousness for God. And I look at different, uh, even Christian denominations where they forgot about what we're going to talk about today, and I see people that are zealous for God, but, but not according to knowledge. And, and, and good people, but not according to knowledge. And that's what Paul's talking about. God decided to save mankind in a way that's spectacular, but it's a way in which we can't work for it. And listen to what he goes on to say. It, it reads like this. He says in Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, What is more, I consider everything loss, a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I might gain more of Christ. And he says in verse 9, And be found in him, not having a righteousness, of my own that comes from the law or obeying all the rules in the Old Testament. He says, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And here Paul's drawing this incredible comparison. In the Jewish faith, he grew up, and, and rightly so, this is what they taught. If you can obey all the law, you get to go to heaven. If you don't do all the rules and all the commands, you can't go to heaven. And he says, God opened up my eyes to how real righteousness comes. And I love it, guys. It's just simply through faith in Christ Jesus. And that's it. It's what you did, not what you do, that causes God to accept you. Now listen to this, Romans 3, 20 through 23. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. The whole purpose of the Old Testament and all the rules and regulations is to bring us to the place to where we realize, I can't do this, which then leads us to Christ. He says in verse 21, but now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and all fall short of God's glorious standard. And again, it's just something simple by faith. One more scripture and then we'll go from there. Listen to Romans 17, 517. For by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, that's Adam. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. And again, here's why I read this. Right standing with God is a gift. You can't work for a gift. And most of us know that that's how we go to heaven. 
we believe in Christ. It's by faith. But it's also how our righteousness continues. It's also what makes us right and worthy and blameless and holy before God. And once you accept him, what you did, not what you do, is why God accepts you. You're righteous in the sight of God. And if you don't know that, if that's not being worn on your chest with your chest sticking out, if that's not, just go in. But, but my chest is sticking out, guys. Listen, I used to have quite a difference between the two. Hey, but it's still out there and strong. Listen, it sticks out. If it's not sticking out saying I'm righteous and I'm holy, that dagger is going to pierce you through and he's going to talk to you day in and day out and he's going to bring you to a place to where you feel like you're not worthy of God and if he's got you there, you're bleeding out on the inside. You won't pray. You won't purify yourself. You won't take your sword and swing it. You won't take your shield and lift it up. And that's what the enemy wants. Now, I have two scriptures I want to make sure you understand. Because when we live in real life, don't we sin at times? Don't we make some mistakes? So I want to make sure you walk out understanding two really cool scriptures. The first one, it brought me to a place in my walk with God to where I literally, if I'm not aware that I did anything, I am convinced that God loves me like crazy. It's what I did, not what I do. You understand? It's not because I'm special. It's what I did. I'm convinced when my name comes up, God smiles. Why? Because I'm in Christ, not because I'm Joe and I'm perfect as Joe. I'm not perfect as Joe, and I know that. But listen, listen to this scripture. This is in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, and, and, and it reads like this. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship or relationship with him, yet walk in darkness, that would be sin. We lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That means we get along with people. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Now listen, walking in the light means you're, you're, you're living in the light of God that you have. That means, as far as you know, you're living a good life. As far as you know, you're doing the right thing. And that's important because if we live that way, something's happening that we don't even see. The blood of Jesus is washing us of all the sins we commit that we don't even know we're committing. And that freed me because all of a sudden, I don't go to God thinking, I probably did something wrong. I don't know what it is. No, I go to God knowing I am pure and I am holy and I'm blameless and I'm righteous in his sight. And I want to try to help you understand this. Can we all agree Jesus would be the standard of perfection and holiness and, you know, sinlessness? Jesus would be the perf perfection. Now, if, if you and I compare ourselves to people, don't we all have a person or two that we like to compare ourselves to? We can say, well, I'm doing a better job than they are. And we all have a person like that. And guess what? You may be the person they look at and say, I'm doing a better job than they are because God opens our eyes up to different things at different times. So you might have something perfected in one area, but they have it perfected in another area. So we're all growing. But can you agree to this? If any of us were to take ourselves and compare ourselves to Jesus, we're miles below him. And we'll be miles below him until uh, we get that glorified body and we're in heaven and we're no longer sin-stained. So you have to know that 
every minute of the day, you're probably doing something that Jesus wouldn't do and saying something that Jesus wouldn't say. But here's the cool thing. If you don't know you're doing it, if you don't know that it's sin, his blood is cleansing you from it. And so you can walk through your day knowing, hey, as far as I know, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't cuss today. I'm doing okay. And whatever it is, you can walk through the day knowing I'm pure. But I know now if I compare myself to Jesus, yeah, I know all that, but his blood is washing me from all unrighteousness because I'm walking in the light that I have. And when you walk in the light that you have, it's what you did, not what you do that causes God to look at you as righteous and holy. But now what happens when we literally do something we shouldn't do? And we do that every day. Here's my favorite scripture, 1 John 1, 9, 10. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. Now, I love this. As a Christian, if I say something and I know it's wrong, but I say, that ah, that wasn't wrong, then I have to get rid of, I'm dirty. I still go to heaven, but I'm just dirty with something. But listen to this. If I sin and I know it, as soon as I say, Lord, I'm sorry, I love the word purify. It purifies us of any unrighteousness that's in our lives. So let me tell you how that works for me. Every now and then I'll say something, and it's usually just to my wife, and it might be negative. And she'll look at me and she'll say, you're going to live in a trailer in heaven. <laughs> I'm like, well, the, you know, I could be a street person in heaven. The, the streets are gold. I mean, it's not going to be all that bad. And she's going, you're going to have a trailer. No mansion for you. And, and so I have to walk away from that. And I have to say, Lord, forgive me. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have made that comment. And the second I do that, I'm okay with God because I know God's okay with me because his blood purifies us from all unrighteousness. And this is a scripture you want to get a hold of because the enemy will try to say, no, you did this and you're not worthy. And you need to say, no, no, no. I told God I'm sorry. And the second you tell him you're sorry, shoom, he cleanses you of anything you did wrong. And I love the pictures that are being painted here. What you did, not what you do. Is why God accepts you. And I want you to walk out of here never forgetting this truth. So the question is, what do you do when a slanderous accusation comes? You have your breastplate on, but I, I think you, you and I have to just release something out of our mouth. So I want to end with one scripture. And this scripture goes like this. Isaiah 54, 17. This is a cool scripture. You want to remember it. No weapon formed against you will prevail and listen to this, you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Now, sometimes there's outside people that might say things about us, and sometimes the devil might use them to slander and, and try to pierce through your heart. Don't rebuke them. When you walk away from them, rebuke what they said. But listen, when the enemy starts to say things to you, you need to have those scriptures come out of you. And one of them is, he who knew no sin was made to be sin for me that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. And when the devil slanders you, you bring that up out of your heart. You refute the words. You refute that condemnation that's trying to come at you. And you declare the doctrine of righteousness. And I guarantee you, every single time, he's taken off. 
And every single time, you're going to put that breastplate out there and that dagger of the enemy is going to go boom and just bounce off and you're going to walk free knowing what you did, not what you do, is why God accepts you. That being taught, guys, is there something we can celebrate just right now? Can we thank God for our breastplate of righteousness? It is awesome. It's awesome. Now, let's pray. Let's, let's close our eyes. Let's look up to heaven. Father, I thank you for every, every person in this room. And we're all at different levels in you. But wow, we all needed our breastplate either buffed or the first layer put on. We thank you for today. We thank you what we did, not what we do, is why you accept us. And Father, for me, that makes me want to live a more pure life because I realize you created me righteous. You gave me the gift of righteousness. You gave us the gift of righteousness. So as Christians, we look up to heaven and Father, I pray for every person in this room and I ask you to open up our understanding and take what was taught today and let it speak to us all week long. Let it speak to us. The next time a slanderous accusation comes, let it speak loudly and let us put it on our tongue. And we thank you for helping us refute the slanderous accusations of our enemy. We thank you that you've given us the gift of righteousness. and We thank you that you've given us armor that's bulletproof. Make this real to us, Lord. And as we meditate on some of these scriptures, and we thank you, Lord, that the breastplate's going to become bigger and stronger on every one of us. And Christians, we're still praying for a moment. If you're here and you walked in with condemnation, if you walked in here not feeling right with God, I trust that this message really helped you. And as a Christian, here's a moment in your life where you can just say, you know what, Lord, I, I, I repent of what I've been doing. I just want to give you a chance if you need to do that, not if you don't need to, just give you a chance to do it. And as you do it, I want you to remember that scripture. You're being cleansed of all unrighteousness and you're pure, you're blameless, and you're holy. All that junk has gotten off your armor and you're clean. Lord, I thank you for making that more real to each and every one of us. And Christians, can we continue to pray? But can we bow our heads, close our eyes as, as we continue? And if you walked in here today and you were not sure of your eternity, I want to take just a moment and speak to you. We, we saw it in Holy Communion. Jesus died so we can live. We heard it in some of the awesome, simple scriptures I read today. Righteousness is a gift and it comes by faith in Christ Jesus. And Living in America, this is a very, very important moment for you because if you grew up in a traditional church, You've heard things over and over again, but here's the question you have to ask yourself. Can you remember a day when you prayed and you made it personal and you received Jesus Christ into your heart? And if you can't, today's your day. Or maybe you walked in an atheist and, or you walked in an agnostic and maybe you walked in just not being sure of God. Today's your day because if you accept him as your savior, he will save your soul. And only God can open up your heart to see it. And if he did, today's your day to change everything. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, hey, I'm ready today to pray, would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the church, would you help them pray? Just simply say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent of all my sins. And today, I come to the Savior of mankind, Jesus himself. Jesus, I believe what the Bible declares about you. And today, 
I receive you as my Savior, and I make you Lord of my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Connecting Place podcast. For more information about Believer's Church, visit believers.cc.